Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the terrifying world of your imagination. Vampire. Perhaps in the safety of your home, the word means little to you. Oh, you've heard of vampires, of course. But do you believe that they exist? Not you. They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One's short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week and all the horror stuff that they think is neat. Hanging loose through in ridiculous reads. Not because we deserve it, because it's what we need. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. Of course, you know that with me as always is Christopher Triana. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm just dandy. With uh, How are you doing, John Wayne? I am fine. It's awesome that you're dandy and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. How about some barley wine? Speaking <laughs> of barley wine, oh, just we, are just, we are just plunging <laughs> balls deep into our uh, Urban Legends series, which is rolling on, continuing. Uh, we hope you've been enjoying it, and we appreciate the good feedback that you've been giving us. So we are bringing you more, um, and we have uh, guests, guests galore, and today is no exception to that. We have a wonderful guest, a re- <clears throat> returning guest to the yes. show, a, 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 a guest favorite, if you will. Um, he is coming to us from across a pond somewhere uh, in the, the Emerald Isle of... Uh, <laughs> Of Oz. He is uh, a very talented uh, horror author, extreme horror writer. Uh, You you and uh, you know him. You love him. You also love him. John McNee is here. John, what's up, dude? (laughs) He's back. He is. (laughs) And so soon. And with nothing new to promote, it's just the same (laughs) old stuff. That's okay. Are you wearing an ascot right now? What's happening over there? I am. Nice. See, because you're a class act all the way, dude. He I've is. been sitting at home alone for two years. The only time I dress up now is for podcast appearances. Um, Very nice. tr- the tragic thing is that most of them are not filmed visually. Yeah. So it's that's all, all right, dude. Because I appreciate that. You know, you show up because you yeah. look good. You feel good. You know, mm, look good. Feel indeed. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and so and we do film this show, uh, folks listening. Yeah. You can also watch us on YouTube, so you can see how handsome John McNee is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah, and what. Well, yeah, thanks for uh, for having me back, and 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 so soon. Um, yeah, the last guest of twenty twenty one, second guest of twenty twenty two. I mean, you're going to have to re-record right. the theme tune, though. It's going to have to be 
uh, vital social issues and stuff with <laughs> Chris it. and John Wayne and, and John, John. McNeese. <laughs> you know, the song structure is there. I think we can. Well, I think we know, can we can shoehorn it in. Yeah. Well, you play piano, so maybe you could come up with a little jingle. It's it, well, yeah, perhaps, perhaps, yeah. maybe some piano <laughs> as well, like a you know a nice it's piano. A tough, it's a tough. Uh, I wouldn't try to improve on the theme song because. Well, how could you? Yeah. Just simple and easy. Like <laughs> sour cream. You only need to listen to it once, and it's forever in there. And you it can't is get right, it, no matter how you try. It's catchy. Just, it'll follow yeah. you to the end of to the end of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it's like herpes. You know, a moment of pleasure, a lifetime of pain. Yeah. Indeed. Yikes. <laughs> I. Hmm. I think that maybe you and I think of songs and herpes in different ways, dude. Because. Huh. Anyway, uh, speaking of it's herpes, it's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah, uh, dude. Speaking of herpes, Chris, you said that like uh, we, I don't weed, know weed became going. weed was le- weed. The weed stores opened this week, in where uh, you you are. You talked. To, we talked a little bit about this. No, no, no. It didn't. Um, no. No. I thought no. Did. No, no, no. And I'll explain because oh. you know we're, we're, if we have to talk about this for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, the recreational weed uh starts here on uh may 1st uh but i'm very close to the border to massachusetts where it's already Mm. legal recreationally nice that's okay uh, (laughs) so that's i think where you're having the confusion because uh, earlier this week i sent you uh i sent you a little uh, a little picture of me Uh uh-huh and it got you very excited didn't it Oh, you know, I was very excited by this picture. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Okay. I sent you a picture of myself in Massachusetts uh, outside the Farnsworth Fine Cabinus, Cab- Cannabis Company, not Cabinet Company. That wouldn't be as interesting. That's next door. Cabinets, yes. They also sell cabinets. <laughs> and I'm Put like, your super, cannabis in. <laughs> I'm super excited about the cabinets. This, this podcast <laughs> takes a complete turn. John's totally. like, what the fuck? We're like... <laughs> We bring in some Amish furniture makers and shit. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you're at this cannabis store. Yes, you sent I'm me this picture. The... You're out there waving in front like you're like the, the mayor of the cannabis yeah. store or something. Yeah, and I, and I just said to you, aren't you proud? Um, I was. Yeah, yeah, because our, our listeners will know that John Wayne is a, a big fan of, of the marijuana. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, he is. Um, I am. Yeah. That I am. Uh, I, I was when i was a teenager uh, and then got out of it in my 20s i tried it once again about 13 years ago and was totally unprepared for how much higher the thc level is in marijuana now compared to when i was a teen and it blasted my mind and i my heart was racing i got paranoid i could i like i had to like run and hide you know uh and so i was like that's it never again but um with the rise of the legalization there's all like there you get a better sense of what you're actually getting now, you know, um, you could go in there and be like, Hey, I'm kind of uh, lightweight. Do you have something that won't make me insane? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and out of my own curiosity and everything, after talking to you and, uh, our last guest, Barry, uh, also a active, uh, 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 active stoner, mm-hmm. um, I was like, all right, I'm going to see if I can microdose and just see if I can enjoy it in any way. Uh, so I, I bought these pills that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, THC they're, pills. They're called Bliss. Oh, uh, yeah, they are. I bet they are. They're, 
they're called they're by a company uh the company's called 1906 and they have a couple of different edibles but these aren't like chewable or you don't suck them you just swallow them yeah yeah a cat, and yeah, i was like that works for me because i didn't want to smoke anything i don't like smoking things um well uh well i don't you know and and i know smoking dick is a totally different separate thing so don't don't what? even bring that up <laughs> um, no no i don't like to smoke so so i got it yeah and um and i was like all right i'm gonna I'm going to wait till the evening. I don't want to take it and have my whole day be in a gata de vida, you know? Uh, yeah. I just wanted to just, I'm like, all right, I'll take one. I'll see how it goes. So I waited till about five in the afternoon and I took one. And the thing about this that makes it different from other edibles is a lot of edibles. And this is why I didn't go with them is the ones that you eat, take longer to break down and for your, and for you to feel the high. Uh, this is what I was told by the, uh, by the doctor or whatever she was in the weed store. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to, I assume she's a doctor. The la- lady doctor, lady, what <laughs> do I was, do? She was very helpful. She was very helpful. She was like, yeah, the thing about taking those, if you're a lightweight and you haven't done it in forever, is a lot of people, they'll take one and they won't feel it for an hour. So they'll think they need to take more. because uh, it, But it takes a little time to catch up with you. And then all of a sudden they're stoned out of their minds, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want that because I'm already really afraid uh, of taking this at all. Well, I was, you know, like I had a bad reaction to it. No, I know. I'm, time, I'm, you know? I'm not laughing at you. I'm just the chuckling at the situation. The, the, like, you're like a you're like an innocent little babe getting I, getting, I, up, I, getting like I, damn Bambi standing up on your little legs. And it just makes yeah. me so proud. I, I knew you would be. That's why I said to the picture, aren't you proud? <laughs> I like that set the follow up picture that you sent me of like uh, picked up some supplies from like my fallbacks from back in the day, and it's a bag of Cheetos and a bag of Starbursts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like, all right, this guy's ready. Like, you're battening down the hatches, dude. You know, you like. <laughs> I'm already coughing. I don't even smoke. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was. I was like, I want to be prepared. You know, I was like flashing back, like to my childhood when i smoked all this weed so, i was like so what, what did i used to like I, I yeah well i'll tell you um i i you know they said it, it took about 20 minutes to kick in and i would say that that's true but it kicked in gradually like i started mm. to feel kind of a buzz i was like all right and you know i didn't drink anything or anything like that i didn't want to mix anything with it so i started to feel a little bit of buzz and i knew it had to be the the pill um mm. and uh but it came up gradually, like it started at 20 minutes, but it got stronger within an hour and then got stronger within an hour and a half. And I was like, whoa, I'm starting to feel stoned. Um, but I didn't have the heart racing and I didn't have the paranoia. And a lot of that is because I was by myself. Um, I kind of have to be um, because I get just weird. Uh, so I was like, well, I, 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 I did what I used to do back in the day. I ate my Starbursts and my Cheetos and I watched the Simpsons on, on <laughs> marathon. And it's like, that's what I did. And it was fucking great. That's I was awesome, so, dude. I was so mellow. I was so relaxed. Uh, and, and like, it like, you know, like the, the pain that I still have in my foot from my busted my foot. Like I didn't feel it for a while. It was, it was great. It was glorious. I was like, these, these are aptly named bliss. Cause it felt, amazing i couldn't like i was really uh, like honestly i was surprised uh, like that i enjoyed it as much as i did so anyway that's, that's badass <laughs> if, if if i make another visit to the compound are you know will you do it while i'm there or uh no no 
Well, we have plenty I'm sorry, of time dude. to change that. Trust answer. issues? We'll What's see. going on there? No, it's just like I feel I, I feel weird when I'm around other people when I'm high. Like We've I, done other things together. I before. feel weird around other people when they're high, for sure. I can't say I do that. too. I, can. I I don't feel weird. I just think they're, they're, they're they get annoying. Some people yeah. like John Wayne do it so much that they don't change that much. Right. Like John just Wayne always I'm, annoying. No, no. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, but like I I don't I don't get a uh, bothered when John Wayne does it because he has a higher tolerance to it. Other people look at him and be like, "What?" Like when you're trying to talk to them, and it's like it, it's impossible. Uh, so I understand that. Um, John, what's John, your deal with weed? Do you smoke? Yeah, or what's what the deal? Yeah. No, it's entirely illegal here. Um, yeah, like completely illegal. Not not just like you can't dance around it, um, and you it would have to go have to leave the country but some i'm obviously so i know people who do but no. uh, it's it's never been for me again this the smoking thing i had friends who used to say okay man you don't like to smoke that's fine we'll bake it into some brownies blah, blah, blah. right and then you would wait and wait for these hash heads to <laughs> get to okay find the let's not to start just... throwing <laughs> don't, so, don't have to throw, like, like five years here, you said you okay. were gonna like bake something into a brownie so i could try it and they're like what yeah yeah that's true i never it was never but you have before. but you have tried it apparently i mean i've never paid apparently you're not sure before people have like um passed me something and, and told me that there was stuff in it but it hasn't done is it is it hard to find in your area anyway or is it like no, could, could you call somebody and be like hey i need you to drop off a a, a, a grammy to me or whatever you, you would say like uh i honestly you know it's not my no i because the people because like uh the people that i know uh, i know a couple of people like in the uk like one guy in london gregor shouts out and then maxine in manchester shouts out um Gregor told me that weed was not only it's like hard to get in London, but it's also notoriously shitty. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and he was and he was visiting. He was in like in North Carolina at like a convention. And I got him super high on on like some American good weed. And, uh, you know, uh, it was awesome for him. But then my friend Maxine does get weed and stuff, but she gets it delivered to her mm-hmm. her, her flat, takes the mm-hmm. lift up yeah. to the, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I also believe it's not as good. The quality is just not there like mm. you have here. So yeah, I just to, <clears throat> what, what industry you've, you've got out there selling it in stores. It's not yeah. going to be the same. Well, well, um, yeah, well, even it's, so it's, but it's been legal in, in other areas in Europe, you know, like, uh, Amsterdam and, and other places. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you would think that there would be some kind of trafficking between there. There um, is, yeah, like they're not reliable sources. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why <laughs> you can't I trust these damn drug dealers. Well, <laughs> it used to be that you could. I don't know. You could go to a drug dealer and you could just rely on him, you know, selling you oh, what yeah. he said was what you got. Oh, but yeah. I don't know well, what happened. Call me old fashioned. Yeah, but drug I, dealers <laughs> today just aren't like the dope peddlers of old. I, no, I, well, I, I you know, you know right. what. You're, you're right, and you're making a funny, and I appreciate that. But I, I would, I would actually say that it's it's funny in the opposite way because oh. drug dealers are more like they're like custom, like so in tech. When I was in Texas, like I told, I think I told you, Chris, like I had like people 
sending me DMs like, hey, I want to be the person who sells you weed because you smoke a lot of weed. And I would just be like, okay. And like they have menus. So while like you can walk into a store here and like, yeah, they have the menu and all that shit like that. And that's great. Uh, but what we had like through like just your dealer, you still got like a menu of like, you know, several varieties to choose right. from all high right. end shit. And, uh, and they like are attentive cause they want that money maybe. So it's like, right. I, like if they don't show up on time or whatever, it's just like on to the next one, bitch, you know, it's kind of like that. Mm. So well, I would yeah, say they're, just, they're a little yeah. bit more attentive. If you're, if you're buying on the street from your local, like, somebody that you don't know just like hey man i heard you've got like uh this can i get it that's different but yeah. now I, I would say like you have a good rapport with your dealers these days well if you if you if you do like if you have a friendship with someone who you know deals or something then yeah but overall in my experience uh yeah i never really trusted my drug dealers sorry to say uh, you well, know uh i know it's just you know yeah. i got burned you know i got no, burned to each a couple of times you know um, but you know, it's also been a long time since I've dealt with one in any capacity. You know, I get all my drugs through legal means <laughs> through a doctor or a liquor store or whatever it is, mm. you know, and in this case, uh, the, the head shop, um, or the dispensary, whatever the PC term is, I don't want to offend you gentlemen. Um, no, man, <laughs> Hey man, head shop's cool, man. <laughs> Well, you know, the stoners get really defensive uh, when it comes to their weed. Like they, they do. Uh, so, you, like, you, you I still, don't wanna... I still jerk off manually, dude. Okay. okay. Like when That's people good. are like, "Well, I don't smoke flour anymore. I only do shatter." It's like I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't okay, even know what the hell, that means exactly, and you don't need to. So it's just no, like whatever. No. I like I said, I'm still just, but I do like to like. I went into the the store the other day. Uh, and I looked at the menu and shit before I went in and I walked in like, let me get one of these. Let me get that. Let me get that pre-roll. Let's go. Boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's nice to know exactly what, you know, that is and not walk in there and be like, well, what did you have today? That's good. You know, well, that, that was, that was me. I yeah. was like, while you can do around, that, you know, you can. And I do ask questions when I want to, but I also, it's cool to just be like this, 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 let's go. Yeah, you, know, you know, like what you want, you know what you like. And like, like me, I like this. If I was to get it again, I would just get this because mm-hmm. I already know I like it. I don't want to gamble on other things. Um, but uh the old the, panty can but you, <laughs> what the, something just fell oh. sorry um but yep. no like you know me like like I when you. i drink i don't like to get drunk drunk i like to just get a buzz and be mellow and that was that was my same concern with the with the thc mm-hmm. uh and in this product it has it has the thc but it also is balanced out with the cbd and some other herbs that so it makes it so it's not like super intense um, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like, like it was a smaller percentage or whatever from other stuff. So it was like just right, uh, for me. Um, I love so it. yeah. Congratulations, so, dude. Yeah. It was, uh, it was quite, quite an adventure, uh, after mm. 13 years of not touching it at all and over and decades of barely touching. I touched it that one time over, you know, like since I was, God, like over 20 years, you know? So, and now you're so there. You go. I know I'm hooked. Yeah, I mean I take it yeah. every day. <laughs> what a time! What a <laughs> you know, time! You, you hey, we drunk. That's what that's what they tell that's me. That's what it is. That's what you know, it is. You on the it smack next? I know. Yeah. As soon as they open yeah. a smack dispensary, you know. Yeah. Smack <laughs> smackspensary. They'll call it tragic downfall. <laughs> tragic downfall oh. of, of Christiana. Mm. Yep. What a way to go, though. You know. Mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice and relaxed. I'll be able to say I knew him when. Pissing myself. Just... <laughs> <laughs> he died doing what he loved. Yeah. Uh, sucking dick for $5 living in a trash can. You know? Yeah. God. Like he's never seen Reefer Madness. Step up. That's a step up for you. Step up for you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should watch Andy's in a dumpster, you know. I should rewatch Reefer Madness. Scare me straight. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're, you're there's a police station in the vicinity of the compound where you uh ever run out there and say like I'm high and you can't do anything about it and you know no no, no. did you dance um, to House of Pain at least or no I just watched The Simpsons and, that's cool and, did you and, oh did you watch the episode where House of Pain is on uh that's an episode yeah like the um Lollapalooza. That's Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. Oh, my yeah. bad. That's right. Yeah, that's okay. I get, uh, you know. I also you know, watched, uh, Fu- I also watched Futurama. So, you know, a lot of variety. So. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, this, I think, this whole convers- I think this whole conversation is, is lost on Mr. McNay. He's, he's having, I wasn't it. brought here for this. No, this is, this is <laughs> not my bad. <laughs> well, this is your intervention. <laughs> your read- <laughs> Uh, humble God. Scott, you know, we, we, we like the simple things in life. You know, al- alcohol was always perfectly yeah, fine ex- for me. Extreme alcoholism. Extreme Absolutely. alcohol abuse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, well, 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 we just, you know, sometimes well, Chris and I have to, you know, what, rake all the muck that's hash or something. What do you like to say? Uh, all, the muck, all the muck that's fit to rake. Yeah, we that's go, the one. We go over what, what's happened to us in the last week. Right. That's what we do in the opening of the show. So, um, and that was a big that was a big event. I'm, I marked it on my calendar. <laughs> it was. National holiday. Lousy smarch weather. Anyway, uh, speaking of smarch, I think we got a show to do. I think we do. Let's get right into it. All right, folks. That brings us to our first segment, which is Book of the Week. Book. Book. Mm. Book of the week, baby. Yeah. Uh, this one's on me, gang. Um, me, uh, John Wayne. So, uh, you know, we like to usually, um, you know, we do this. Is there uh, a lot of indie books that we we talk about? Uh, a lot of like people that are in like kind of our circle that we know and stuff like this. But there also comes times when books come out that are from uh, you know authors that we you know hold in high regard or like just a whole lot. And uh, this is why I went with that this week because uh, book of the week is the new one from uh, Bentley Little, Gloria. Um, this came out, uh, I guess, like a little before Christmas, I think, yeah. early December. And um, I got it. I ordered it. I got the hardcover. I love Bentley Little. If you don't know who Bentley Little is, look into him. He writes like a lot of just like, I don't know, like perilous horror, like where he just cuts off every angle and you get all wrapped up in it. He's very good at creating dread. And then he has these just wild supernatural topics that he spans. Yeah. Um, he he does have a very addictive writing mm-hmm. style. Yes, uh, much like Stephen King, where you just continue to to burn through it. Uh, he always leaves you uh, hanging at the end of chapters, which is something I try to do with right. my own work. Where it's like you know you give that cliffhanger where you've got to turn the page, you've got to know what happens in the next chapter. It's very compelling. He like you want to just keep turning the page. Yeah. Um, 
And he's very, like, I would say masterful at creating stories like that or telling the story like that to you. And um, even if you're not super into some of the main topic of what the story is, the way he writes it, you're just like, that's kind of cool, man. You know, Mm -hmm. I think so. Glory was the latest to come out from him. Now, I, Chris, I've read every Bentley little book leading up to this one. Have you as well? Oh, no, I've like he's written a lot of books. You've read them all. I've read every single one. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, John, there's no, there's none that I own. There's none that are out that I don't own. Wow. I, I've read, so. I've read a good amount of them, but I haven't come near all of them. Uh, John, have you read much Bentley Little? The there's one. It's hard to remember one title from the next because he they're likes a simple like, title. They're very does. similar. There was one yeah. called the Academy or the School or the Institute yeah. or something. Like the yeah, Academy. It was, that was probably it. Yeah. Oh, it was, I think, yes, I think all, yeah. all three of those are probably <laughs> right. Probably <laughs> yeah. Because he has like the store, the you know, the the, the house, uh-huh. uh, you know, <laughs> the, the 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 and so on. You know. Yeah, glory um, is a bit of a departure, title-wise. It is. Yeah. Actually, it really it is. is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so this is in true Bentley Little style. Like this. Let me just read the blurb first of all, um, for this book. So. Considering she had just attended her mother's funeral, Gloria James never expected to see the woman again. But then her dead mom shows up at her house. Gloria's mom is different. She's younger than when she died, dressed in clothes from the 1980s, and nobody else in Gloria's family seems to recognize her. As Gloria tries to figure out the reason for her mother's reappearance and the odd behaviors the woman begins to exhibit, other bizarre events occur. The changes to Gloria's world are small and subtle at first. Then they become much more startling. The freaky situation, very freaky, man, might be connected to a mysterious shed in a small California town. The strangers who gather around the shed seem to know Gloria's name, and maybe they aren't strangers after all. With Gloria, Bentley Little presents one of his most complex and compelling novels, one that is certain to surprise readers on every page. So... That being said, it, it, it does start like that. Like the mom, it, it right away just picks up the funeral just happened. She's answering the door on the first page to her mom at the door. Like, so that's not bearing the lead at all. It's a quite, um, but she's like the only one that knows and, you know, people talk to her, they're interacting and you're kind of like get wrapped up into the story of like, what's happening with this mom. And then uh, the story, basically, this is also not a spoiler, just like starts over like 20 or so pages in and you're like what but nate like the characters are just a little bit different the people are different but gloria is always the same and so like Hmm. it's basically like tearing apart like timelines and weird shit where she's being inserted and the further and further you go in the book you you kind of start to see where it's all going i love shit like that where Hmm. you know stuff is played with with time or different uh uh, iterations different, of yeah, reality, different, basically different is, timelines. And, yes, yeah. exactly. I, I really dig this. I talked to our good friend, uh, two time splatterpunk award-winning author and, uh, uh, uh current father, Wesley Southard, uh, yesterday. Current. Jesus. Current father. What does that uh, imply? I don't know. He's currently a father. Um, he's not going to be one in the future. Look, dude, I can't predict everything here. All right. Jesus. Uh, but we talked about this book on the Awesome Dude for Life podcast uh, on my uh, Patreon, and he uh, he of course did not like it. Um, he he, he was, didn't like about it. He didn't like the uh, well. 
how much time do you have? <laughs> anyway, no. <laughs> He, well, you don't he want to spoil it either. So. I, I don't want to spoil it, but he, basically yeah. everything that I just said, he didn't like. He didn't like oh, okay. the, the, the shifts well, in time is, and that kind of thing. So it just wasn't for him. Well, which that is, is a little bit uh, surprising because I know that Wes is a very big fan of Ben Harlow. Yeah, I know. I thought he would. I thought we yeah. would like end up having a good conversation about it, but and we did. But, even, but he just he didn't care for it as much as I. But did. even the even the the best writers, you know, even my favorite writers will sometimes have a book where I'm just like, Ugh. you know, mm-hmm. like uh, like Jack Ketchum's uh, She Wakes. I don't know what the hell was going on with that book, and I and I'm not the only person who feels that way. Like I love Jack Ketchum's books. He was mm-hmm. like my idol. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but that book was just, it didn't, it didn't even feel like it was written by him. The, mm. the, the tone and the, uh, the style of horror that it was, uh, just didn't see it. And not everything of his is extreme. I'm not saying that it wasn't like him because it wasn't say off season or something. Uh, cause he has other books like red, which are not super extreme. Uh, so it wasn't that it was just the book overall just didn't even feel like one of his books. Yeah, uh, I'm currently reading Joyride, by the way. Um, oh yeah, Joyride's awesome. One. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, uh, this is, he's another author that I'll devour as well. Um, yeah. Jack Ketchum books when I get them, I'll just fucking rip through them. The, um, the, fin- the finale of Joyride is insane. It's the really the most memorable part. Yeah, well, I'm in the you know I'm in the last quarter of the book, like mm-hmm. so I'm almost done. Uh, but anyway, Gloria, I give it like a wholehearted recommendation. Yes, you're right. I've read since I've read every Bentley little book, there are some that I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, OK, sure. It's like it's like a, you know, it's like a, a blowjob, you know, even if it's not a good blowjob, it's still a good blowjob, you know, mm-hmm. kind of. So it's like it was yeah. like that. But, you know, some are better than others. This one, if you Definitely. like if you like if you like to, to if you like time and and uh, actually just like and different jobs. And, and blowjobs, you'll love that, that. Put that as the blur. If you like time and blowjobs, you'll love Gloria by Bentley Little. Bentley Little gives a hell of a blowjob. You heard it here first, folks, from the mouth of John Wayne Caminale. Oh, and mouth uh, emphasis on the mouth. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I I recommend it. So check it out All if right. you like Bentley Little. Check it Little. out. Check it out. Uh, check out this yeah. mouth, bitch. Okay. Okay. Um. All right, so that's Gloria but Bentley Little, but uh, we also need to get to our next book, uh, and we're very excited. Uh, yeah. This is, this is uh, uh, our popular segment, which is Ridiculous Reads. Oh, yeah. Mm. So this week... On Ridiculous Reads, uh, we're very excited because our buddy and special guest, John McNee, is going to perform uh, Ridiculous Reads. Uh, last time you were on, you did an amazing uh, read from not not the only, but one of the uh, novelizations of The Terminator. Mm, yeah. And uh, that was... That was really interesting, uh, particularly the language that was used in the book. We talked about this on the show and how uh, it can vary from country to country. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give the mic over to you now, John, and take it away. Well, I'm not convinced this is going to be an instant hit. I think this might Uh-oh. take a bit of time to warm up to. I don't All have right. any other novelizations of beloved sci-fi classics in my uh, library. But what I do have, and it's sort of within keeping with the theme of your new series that you've got going, All is right. uh, a little bit called Unsolved Mysteries of the Past. Ooh. So, 
God, UFO landings in 1 million BC. Cavemen with genius IQ. Kid napers from outer space. It says napers. Kid napers. Kid napers. <laughs> the worst Speeded up kind. evolution. Prehistoric A-bombs. Disappearing planets. So the previous title of this, uh, which kind of gives a little away about what the majority of the content is. Previ- the original title, Flying Saucers Are Watching Us. <laughs> and this is by uh, Otto Binder. I don't know if either of you know the name Otto Binder at all. No. Right. So this guy, uh, first and foremost, a comic book writer. He was big okay. into his UFOs and cryptozoology and whatever else. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was first and foremost a comic guy. Worked for DC. May have worked for Marvel, but best known as the co-creator of Supergirl, mm. which is fair enough, I suppose. Someone had to co-create. It's, it's, it's not the, like the greatest comic book of all time. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> it's, it's you know. It takes a lot of work to come up Next with an idea. Next to Richie yeah. Rich. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does take a lot of work to, to be like Superman only with a skirt. I mean, it's yeah, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> that, wasn't gonna, that wasn't just going to happen itself, you know. Someone no. had to create it. <laughs> they had to, had to bring her into fruition, and uh, it just so happens that it was him, Autobind. I'm sure he had yeah. other creations which were far more sort of original and interesting. Do you, but do you happen to the know only one had... history remembers is, is yeah. Supergirl. Do you happen to know if he had anything to do with the Supergirl movie? I doubt it. I think he was dead well before the Supergirl movie. Um, so he was probably turning over in his grave then because that movie is an enormous piece of crap. In fact, it's so bad, I recommend you both watch it. It's really amusingly bad. I've seen yeah. it. I've seen it, actually. And then they, they buried him face down. So then uh, it came, <laughs> when it came out, he rolled over and now he's so. now he's now he's OK. All right. Now he's all yeah, right. It all it all worked out. He's ringing that bell like, that they leave. What have they done to shit. my creation? <laughs> she was so pure, so perfect, so unsullied by the I'm world. Telling you, I'm telling you, you, you watch like you think Superman for the quest for peace is bad. And it's I so bad. Yeah, you should. It's so I don't. bad. It's great. Uh, you're wrong. Uh, but Supergirl, I like Superman three though. Superman three is the best one. I, that's what I would say. Yeah. Wow. Would say. Really? You guys are serious? Yes, I am serious, dude. Uh-huh. Fuck, come on, dude. That well, computer. Do you mean? Uh, do you mean because it's so funny? Bad, I mean because or... it's so it is, awesome. It's intentionally Richard funny. Pryor and, is amazing. Uh, but it's yeah, awesome. Richard Pryor's great. Robert Vaughn's great. Uh, but it's also but bad. The, well, I don't. I don't think so. Really? I, think okay. I know, Chris. I know what you. Plenty know, John. What, Chris, is it, John. Chris is using uh, American slang. He means bad is good. Is oh, what yeah. But it's no. what Chris means. Sorry. Yeah, that's no. what you mean, Chris. Bad meaning good. Like that's bad. No, I got to go with the first two guys. Uh, maybe I'm just conventional that way. But I okay. Like my, I okay. like my Superman movies to be good. So. This guy grows a beard instantly, becomes a through Superman three a you know fucking purist. Jeez. <laughs> No, Superman 3 Basher. No, nah, 3 isn't that bad. Truther. Uh, it has its moments. <laughs> it has its moments. Uh, but 4 is terrible and Supergirl is beyond terrible to the point where it becomes good because it's so horrible to watch. But anyway, uh, let's Helen get... Slater. Right? What's, what's that? Helen Slater. Is, is that her name? Yeah, That's the, the... her. Yeah, okay. Legend of Billie Jean. Yes, anyway. yes. Oh, that was uh, her, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I forget. Anyway, if, back to you. If it contributed anything to the world. But anyway, yeah. So um, the, I'm not a big UFO guy. I'm not into all that kind of uh, 
shit. Because um, you're not stoned, that's why. <laughs> that's, probably, that's, that's the problem. But really, there's been several times throughout history when people have gone crazy for the idea of mm-hmm. uh, aliens visiting Earth. Sure. Great. Um, X-Files, obviously, was a big one. That's when I actually got into it as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, I think the 1950s were, like, out of control yeah. with, like, the, the UFO is, stuff. That's, that's when this is from. Okay, uh, that's what I was going to ask, because yeah. it looks like an old paperback. Yeah. yeah, and these days, this is a reprint as well, and it's ancient. So um, the, You have a lot of tags in there, like marking the good stuff, huh? Loads of stuff. We could be here all night if you okay. don't stop <laughs> me at some point. <laughs> but, uh, right. I think one of the fundamental problems with the uh, um, UFO discourse over the last few years is that it's so boring. Like, mm-hmm. oh, there was this document that discovered here. There was this declassified thing. There was this guy who saw this blip on a radar screen over Bermuda in 1973. And it's all very, very dry and dull and boring. It wasn't always the case. You know, it used to be pretty entertaining when you hired, you know, Supergirl creators. To be, <laughs> because what he does in this book, um, he, like, has some evidence for some of the the things he puts forward um but the vast majority of it is him just sitting going what if yeah probably that, <laughs> that, probably yeah. that. and that's and i yeah. think that's that's really entertaining and uh yeah. if you read this book which is written in a very entertaining fashion um i mean almost everything in it if you bothered to look it up a quick look on wikipedia would tell you that it's complete nonsense you know any mm. of the stuff that he talks about is is just a complete misreading of, of the science or misreading <laughs> of his interpretation of something that he's read in the National Enquirer. And then right. Format. Oh, um, well, I mean, getting it from the National Enquirer to start yeah. with probably isn't the best way to get a, no. get a story but anyway. If you, but that's, that's if, you're, if you're lame enough to go research what he's talking about on Wikipedia, if you just stick to the confines of the book itself mm-hmm. and take it on its own merits, uh, you know, like much like Pull an analogy. Sunset Beach. You start off laughing. <laughs> By the end, you're totally on board, and you know a big fan and a believer yeah. in everything it has to say. Um, so, and I, and I especially like uh, the writing, the way that it's it's written, because it really paints a scene. So, I'm just going to get straight into it, if you don't mind. This is this is chapter one. Homo hybrid interstellar crossbreed. We'll talk about what he's actually he's actually getting at in a minute. Okay. His whole hypothesis. It is one million BC. Brooding jungle covers the land, steamy and miasmic. The roars and snarls of fierce predators sound out from time to time. But the air is invigorating, the waters sparkling and clear. It is a good world, inviting life to prosper. Down from the sky spins a gleaming disc. Miraculously, it halts its furious plunge and hovers above the treetops, rocking gently. Then it slowly lowers onto a clearing and tripod landing legs swing out. It comes to rest, its droning internal hum dying away. A hatch opens. A ramp slides forth smoothly and two men descend from the flying saucer. They are seven feet tall, slender, with bulging heads, obviously housing very large brain organs. (laughs) A crouching, saber-toothed tiger springs. Almost disdainfully, one of the men aims a hand tube. Electromagnetic energy winds forth. 
As if striking an invisible wall, the huge tiger bounces back. Dizzily, the baffled and frightened animal slinks away. One of the men points a long, thin finger. Lurking behind bushes is a shaggy, low-browed female creature. Primate stock, radiates one man telepathically. The kind that will respond to our universal human interbreeding system. <laughs> From their type will come a, my, a midbrain species of hybrid humans, below us in mentality, but far above any native creature here, agrees the other man, sweeping his arm around. This world can be added to our list of choice planets suitable for humanized life. <laughs> so this is, this is where we kick off. So this is uh, Genesis. Right, right. This is how it the happened. True this, is where, this is where we come from. Right. Did the aforementioned scene, or something similar, happen in the prehistoric past? Are our ancestors both the ape men of Earth and a race of brainy beings from outer space? Are those ancient colonizers still watching over their children, as manifested in the many UFO reports of today? This is what the book is asking. So it's, mm. you know, take that scene. Obviously that happened. And of he's course. just saying, you know, just uh, consider all of the, and the rest of the book is about presenting all the evidence to show that that's how it went down. Okay. And gotcha. making us understand all the uh, different varieties of human life on the planet and how they are related to alien uh, involvement. Well, I might, I might add that, uh, uh, that there actually is some scientific uh, uh, theories out there, like actual science, not science fiction or uh, cryptology, hogwash, uh, but actual scientists, scientists who believe that it's possible that uh, because human life occurred in the grand scheme of things uh life occurred not human life but life occurred here on this planet so suddenly that they think it must have piggybacked on something else an asteroid comet something that collided with earth um chariots of the gods man right not not necessarily saying it was some intelligent being but Mm. some form of life amoeba insect anything like that uh, and then evolution took hold over you know millions and millions of years or whatever. Uh, so maybe the guy uh, Otto there wasn't too off track. Well, there's something in that. I mean, his his central argument is that look at man. Man is so incredible, so amazing, capable mm-hmm. of doing so much. How can it possibly? How can he possibly have got there just organically? There has right. to have been something. Right, Uh, because we're among like all these other creatures that aren't nearly at our level. Yeah, Yeah. but I don't know. Except dogs. I I don't know. They're pretty high up. Totally convincing. You know, if you look. No, but I. But I'm I'm just. I'm just following the logic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um. But but yeah, it's it falls a little bit into the the whole line of the the intelligent design thing where people say there must be a god because man Mm -hmm. is so incredible. Mm-hmm. someone had to design it. And he thinks, right. really, someone designed this? Have you, <laughs> <There> <laughs> Have are... you watched Jerry Springer? Does someone design <laughs> Jerry Springer? Is that even still a thing? Holy shit. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. That's oh, very, a very topical reference. Uh, just <laughs> cool. Uh, All right, well, either of you... It was on it. for 27 <laughs> seasons, though. Just, well, I mean, you're, uh, saying, you're saying it like it's not on right it now. It might it, it's on it oh being. it's on somewhere right now right. absolutely 100 yeah. it's not being currently filmed anymore well, maybe, this is, maybe this is maybe this is one of those things where 
I'm trying Maybe to make Oh, they have, yeah, there's there's still shows like that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe it's like one of those things where, like, is Scotland just now getting Jerry Springer? <laughs> yeah, that's that's cute. Yeah. I know. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, Otto Binder says uh, that humans. Welcome that to your roast, dude, I guess. <laughs> hey, we, we still haven't gotten Sunset Beach, so we're behind. Look, I well, I'm I'm right, so I'm marking up that one. I'm marking up the Emerald Isle crack from earlier, and I'm just I'm not going to focus on any of these here. But they're all going, they're all being marked somewhere. Uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> just, we're in so trouble. There's going to be, there's gonna be ret- I, I don't I don't know what there's going to be. Some kind of well, external. Feel free to make fun. People of will America. be held to account. It's, it's only like, like I said, it's like one o'clock here, dude. I'm like super fresh, so I'm just going. <laughs> feel free to insult america it's it's pretty easy uh you know it's it's oh, a, so <laughs> we're not gonna be bad <laughs> so uh but uh autobinder says you know what these aliens have been coming to earth to do is uh breed with our uh the the sort of whatever mass of uh, uh primitive humanity was here to try and create uh I don't know some kind of workers or, or various or, or get get something going. I make big pedigree human beings mm-hmm. that we can utilize on other colonies, various things. But there's a lot of a lot of experimentation has gone on um, throughout human history, resulting in many of the myths and legends that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, part of his a lot of the evidence he uses. This is when you know you're in trouble, when you're in the, the first chapter. And he says, "What? where can we look for evidence? Well, the Bible tells us this. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, man, bad start there, Otto. I don't know. I don't know about that. But there's a, there's a lot of, there's, that's a whole, there's that whole strain of, I don't know what you call it, research, particularly in America, where their only reference point is stuff that was said in the Bible. And if we read it in that correct way, this tells us that. Well, I'm glad you got your shot in at America. Thank you yeah. for that. There was a, there was a guy uh, I, I met when I was traveling through America, actually. He was uh, mm. a hostel, and um, he was feverishly working on all these different papers he had out in front of him on the, on the table. And uh, we said to him, hey, man, what are you what are you working on? So, um, uh, he was sort of an older guy with a sort of trucker's cap. I'm uh, <clears throat> working on uh, <clears throat> translating the King's James Bible back into the original Greek. It's like, oh, right. yeah, <laughs> running out of time though. And uh, a friend said, "Running out of time? What you you got got to hand it in for college or something?" I said, "No, man. I mean, we're running out of time. Oh, oh. Like, he's got to he's got to get this shit done because it's the only hope we have." <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm Dude, sure that is the... an excellent Southern act, like grizzly Southern accent, man. Act, like accent, by the way, excellent job. Yeah, I got a million well, stories I... just like it. I'm also like, does he not realize that there's probably a billion Greek Bibles out there? Like, mm. surely there are. Yeah, right? go to the go yeah, to the Barnes missed and something. He's got a. It, you don't. You got to. Oh, of course. All the key, the key mm. to saving humanity, is not any going to be anywhere mm. except in the Bible. It's mm. all there. That's the yeah. only place you need to look. But you just got to look hard enough. No one's looking yes. hard enough. I guess not. It's up to Billy Bob. <laughs> to, to in between the lines, a little nugget. So this guy, you know, there's a lot of this 
this sort of stuff. Um, he like repeats Bible verses about the sons of God, so that their daughters of men were fair, and they took to wife such of them as they chose. Like the who are the sons of God? They're aliens, and they're just grabbing these girls and uh, you know making monster babies with them. Yeah, like there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of that. I think humanoids from the deep was a Bible story as well. Right, right. right, right. <laughs> and so from from so right, he gives a bunch of Bible verses, and he's right. Okay, done. You're on board because that's all the evidence we need. Uh, but he says uh, regarding the experiments, don't presume that it all went plain. They all went smoothly. We can suspect that some of the experiments turned out badly. Perhaps the saucer men tried breeding Homo gigantus for a while, but found they were sterile and did not reproduce, like the mule that comes out of mating the donkey and horse. Or the giant specimens were pure sports that appeared by chance and were not really planned by the saucer men. We can speculate even further that monsters were unwittingly produced in some of their bio-experiments. Who knows but what the satyr with great hooves, the centaur, or other mythological monstrosities were the result of misbreeding programs tried out by the <laughs> spacemen in order to thoroughly understand the genetic complexities of earthly life form. What the fuck? This guy's insane. <laughs> yeah. So basically what you've got is... Uh, oh my like God. Eight, the abominable snowman, uh, Bigfoot, uh, Wendigo... Werewolf, centaurs for fuck's centaurs sake. all that's yeah. all you need to say dude that's Minotaur, the most ridiculous but, but they're all they're all results of aliens practice doing practicing stuff out on their guinea pigs um right. going from the great to the small were this is getting a little bit contentious now <laughs> or bordering on offensive i mean I, I, i'm not i'm not endorsing any of this uh, all right, right here we go we're not going to get into any like race stuff or anything like that but it gets borders a little bit on but uh going from the great to the small were dwarfs as well as giants produced during the saucer man's experiments oh boy so many the many legends of gnomes elves goblins kobolds trolls pixies and other tiny people are too persistent and universal to be sheer invention <laughs> just gonna come up <laughs> then our present day African pygmies are living proof that some branch of humanity turned small in the remote past. Oh or my were made God. to turn small by the saucer men. They're making little people. So wow. next time you see a dwarf, little person. Don't say it. Apparently. Now dwarves or midgets, that's, a, that's an outdated term, show up quite regularly yes. among normal humans today. Oh God! They they're unlike normal humans because yeah, yeah they're not. Normal. This would indicate oh, that the saucermen experimented with pygmy hybrids too long ago in an attempt to find the ideal colonist crossbreed. Um, wow! And he continues uh, to the all oh, right. So now, obviously, this is the result of the experimentation and all the sort of stuff that they were doing. But hmm. let's get into the nitty gritty of the actual <laughs> experimentation itself. When we talk about experiments, what are we talking about? I mean, to the reader, right. the idea of UFO-nauts seeking sex will bring forth a variety of strong feelings. Oh, man. Blank, blank <laughs> amazement, sheer wonder, guffaws, head shaking, downright revulsion, and more often a skeptical snort, depending on one's viewpoint. <laughs> Yeah, and this is where this is where he nails it. 
right? Uh, oh, 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 this is where he nails it. This okay. is this is it. This okay. is where he gets it. He just slips in a little something to like before you snort derisively. Mm. Just remember this. Let us recall that right here on Earth, three foot midgets marry people of normal height and often have normal children. Mic drop right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Also, <laughs> so-called glandular giants, human otherwise, can mate and procreate. We should not, out of hand, disbelieve or discredit reports of matings or attempted seductions between saucer people and humans on Earth. Don't dismiss it out of hand. <laughs> saucer come with people. me a little bit forward. He's like, just don't, just don't dismiss it out of hand. Just stick with me because I tell you, if you just turn the page, I'm going to give you a reason for turning right. the page. And so you do turn the page. And what you're met with is a little uh, chapter heading here called uh, Space Rape. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> oh, my so, God. Uh, a few cases. This fucking book has been saying. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. What did you bring to this? So show? now we're into the part of the book where he said, right, these experiments this stuff hasn't only gone on and i've told you i've proved to you that it went on by clearly referencing the bible right. and uh showing you all you know the dwarfs yeah That's little proof. people exist therefore, they're there right yeah. Andre therefore, the Giant there, there existed, so, yeah. what you may not have realized dear reader is this stuff is still going on to this very day to oh, which shit. here's a little story uh featured in the national tatler uh, one of the tabloid-sized, scandal-mongering weekly newspapers, he says, but it must be remembered that these sensation-filled sheets also carry quite serious and sober scientific articles. So, yeah. before you dismiss the National Enquirer or anything like that, the headline right. for the April 2nd, 1967 issue, so this is actually a bit later than I was thinking, uh, okay. was, um, I was seduced by a flying saucer man. As the tale goes, a Michigan girl named Jean Sheldon was driving on a beautiful summer night in 1966 and stopped by the roadside for a breath of fresh air. Suddenly, she looked up wide-eyed as down from the starry sky darted a silvery disc about 50 feet in diameter, topped by a reddish dome that glowed. A hole or hatchway opened in the bottom and some sort of levitation force drew startled Jean up onto the saucer to be greeted by three male humanoids with green eyes. They were some five feet tall and stark naked. <laughs> Telepathic words then resounded in her mind. My dear Earth woman, we wish to mate with you. It will be easier on your personality if you do this willingly. <laughs> on your personality? Okay, okay, okay. Let's just, let's just take a stop right there. It will be easier on your personality if you... What? What does that even mean? <laughs> if you do it willingly. If you do it willingly. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, no one, look, honey, <laughs> nobody got, nobody yes, wants to yes, hang dear. around a girl who's not fun. This is what we're saying. Oh Every, everybody God. likes a fun girl. Aren't you a fun girl? Come on, uh, just, I, just get that list a little do, bit. Does it say what their hogs look like or what? Because they said they were naked. <laughs> What it says is Jean oh. gasped indignantly at the sheer effrontery of their bold request, but she was too stunned to protest story, as they led her to a bed-like <laughs> machine. The three alien men undressed her, then made sexual love to her for a good hour. <laughs> All three of them 
sexual, sexual sexual love, love dude yeah <laughs> they made sexual love that's like mm. some red bulb loving like you're talking about <laughs> right chris that's that's, that's, the, that's the, the sexual kind. kind of love if you're gonna uh, make love it might as well be sexual sexual love Jean confessed later to having experienced spasms of unnatural delight mixed with shame and revulsion. I think we've all been there. When the first alien took another turn and performed the sex act with her again, the girl recalled that she became highly excited sexually, but at the same time felt ashamed of her inflamed passions. Well, you know, Jean, you're only human. She was finally told by her humanoid lovers that by mating with her experimentally, they were certain their two races were compatible after which she was released without harm. Jean reported that fortunately she did not become pregnant from this saucer orgy. Um, And then (laughs) there's another, there's another, there's like several chapters of girls. Several, several space rapes. Several space rapes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's a girl in Australia who was like, um, uh, (laughs) Who said that she was taken up into a saucer and inseminated, uh, but but she did get pregnant, um, and that's and that that was reported. You know, doctors proved she was indeed pregnant, and it says uh, uh, presumably this when it was reported in the in, in mm-hmm. the press, presumably Miss Travers has had her baby by now, but a cloak of silence from Australia hides any news of what that child is like. Just I am pretty sure. That's how Alf was born. <laughs> well, now, on the subject of this Miss Travers there, who got pregnant. More. Yeah, yeah. No, he says, he says, some unkind people, and I think he was ma- imagining you. Oh, you guys, oh, like, like, oh man. Reading this, like, derisively with your snorting and all this kind of stuff. Some uh-huh. unkind people have said that her story was just a cover-up for a love affair she had during which she, an unmarried woman, bear in mind, uh, became pregnant. Scandal. But assuming she was concealing illicit sex activity, she could just as easily and simply have claimed it was an unknown man from Earth who had raped her. Why all the elaborate story about a Don Juan from the stars? In fact, this would only compound the situation for her and other people's eyes, not only being raped, but also going out of her mind. By all logic, Miss Travers had no reason to relate the tall space tale unless it really happened. I mean, logic is flawless. It is flawless, because people people aren't crazy, and people don't do drugs, people don't hallucinate, and -hmm. people don't lie. Wow. Why um, would you unless it happened? You know? Right. Exactly, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that concludes uh, our new segment. I, I, Rape <laughs> in space! <laughs> Jesus. Well. The interesting uh, thing. Right. There's, there's, one, there's one more. I'm oh, on to my last. I'm on to my last page. But this is. We right. could tell by this point that he was starting to run out of actual documented space rapes. Um, and he had to start. <laughs> Yeah, to start picking them up. Well, How dare you mean, suggest such a sort thing? of? He had to sort of suggesting that was he trying to hit between a, the lines. He's like, was he, he trying to hit a word count or something? Like, what the, <laughs> but this is an this is an interesting um, case he reports on, uh, which of course I've not looked up online because why would I? I, I trust this book. Um, perhaps the oddest case comes from a Russian report. In 1961, a woman parachutist jumped from a height of 9,000 meters. Uh, 28,000 feet, 
kilometers. The pilot of her release aircraft saw her float down and he landed to await her, but she never arrived. She came floating down on her parachute three days later in Saratov. Her explanation was that she had been caught in midair by a flying saucer and taken aboard. She was given a thrilling ride far beyond Earth out in space. She was then entrusted with a message in a sealed envelope for the authorities, about which nothing further has been heard, damn Russians. But she was not molested in any way. That she made clear. Mm. However, we might surmise, as in other cases where a woman was abducted and then released, that she would be extremely reluctant to admit being forced into sexual relations with any male humanoids aboard the UFO. It is more likely that she invented the story of the message, which she faked, perhaps, to cover up what had possibly really happened. A sex adventure. <laughs> oh, fuck yes, dude. So, it's like, we can only surmise how many actual cases of rape by humanoids have occurred with earthly women. Stories that UFO investigators may never hear. I mean, ladies, speak up, because time's up. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's that's time. enough letting these guys get away with it. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's time. Right. It's time. time. There's been a, a wall of silence for too long. And, and it's time I know, to call out E.T. Yeah. You know, it's you're 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 afraid that by telling these stories, people like John, you know, John Wayne and, and Chris are just going to laugh at you. Oh, oh, they're yeah. all going to laugh at you. But no, laugh I, at it, you. it has to. If it, it's their strength in numbers, you see. So yeah. I say, come forth and tell your story because tell it to John McNeil. Please, <laughs> just reach out to him. Yeah, <laughs> at spacerape.com. So that is uh, Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries of the Past by Otto Binder, a very accomplished man, and a great thing. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, like if you told me he like got arrested for cannibalism after writing this, I would totally believe you. Because this guy is out of his fucking mind. Uh, either that or he's just having a laugh uh, writing this. Um, either one would seem logical I, to me. Yeah, I'm proud of him me. either way. I think he seemed to be enjoying himself from the, the writing. Yeah, that's an insane book. It uh, is, well, yeah. well done, sir. Very I, good. Very I think good. that I think that this, you know, is worth the start of this new year. We should all vow to go on a sex adventure <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> In outer space. <laughs> in outer space. Well, I'm, I'm coming up. Sexual love. Sexual, sexual love. love. Sexual love. Uh, yeah, sexual love making. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're um, gonna come see me, dude. And I'm gonna sexually love you. <clears throat> that's not what I was gonna say, but all right. What were you gonna say? Oh, I'm <laughs> I was sorry. Say I'm coming. I'm coming out to see you in Nevada, so you know, like I could have a sex adventure. Ooh, um, la you know, la. That's the, right. With all the legalized prostitution to go along with the, the legalized marijuana and everything else, and and then John McNee is just shaking his head at these bad Americans. He's yeah. got more. He's got morals, dude. Not, no morals. Not us. No. no. <laughs> nah. We're we're snorting nah. and chuckling at at uh, Asim. What was this guy's name? And off. Otto, uh, Otto Binder. Uh, Otto Banger. Fuck yeah, dude. That is a banger. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we we've got our our weed and our guns and our whores. Uh, we're we're yeah. a happy bunch. Uh, that's why our country's doing so well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. should be happier well, by the center why is there so much anger in america I, when you've I, got you know, you know I, legalized I weed and prostitution just up the road and uh and, and you know great tv 
Yeah, well, we, we, we don't have enough legalized prostitution. It's only in Nevada. Uh, mm. But, uh, but yeah, I like the anger in America is insane. Um, mm. And it's all internal now. Uh, you know, like, you know, it used to be that we hated other people, the Russians or, or, uh, you know, or whatever else it was when, you know, um, the Nazis, you know, but now it's, we just hate each other. Uh, it's, it's really sad and scary. Mm. So, so I recommend uh, a little product called Bliss to help take your mind off of it. I'm not even getting paid. Oh, okay, this. okay. Like, whoa, this, whoa, is this, this branded company, content, dude? They should pay Did me because you... I have mentioned it like so many times. Dude, we <laughs> have to get. Now that you're on board, we have to get like a, a our own like product. <laughs> I'm on like our Arkle weed board. or some shit, dude. Right. You know, we want we want that. We need the vital social issues and stuff. Uh, like Bliss official, package or some shit. Official yeah product mm-hmm. well well get on growing it um I guess nah, dude, we don't grow it. it dude we just got to get someone you know to sp- oh, just put it sponsor, out for us just a sponsor. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. I th- okay i get you I th- i'm I not growing we- it. what do we get well, i gotta get time to go to botany school and you know i gotta go on the sex adventure apparently you know and <laughs> there's all this that's gonna take a lot of time man I mean, let's just put our name on something you know okay that, <laughs> that works Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to our please. Our yes, please. Let's see how you follow that, guys. <laughs> follow that, assholes. <laughs> you just don't want to talk about weed anymore. You're so like anti stoner. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I love I, sto- to... I love stoner, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I I used to be you, John. Now I'm John. <laughs> no, no, not not really. I'm not going to be doing it every day or anything. Um, but I. We'll do it again. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's get into our segment. This is our ongoing segment uh, this winter. Uh, it's called Urban Legends. Wow, you got yeah. really into it there, John. I mean, you were like, trying. I like to dance, dude. Yeah. Urban legends. All right. Uh, so we're each going to tell uh, a, a, a different one. Um, John Wayne, would you like to start us off? I will start us off. Um, you know, just uh, just to catch everyone up, anyone that's maybe just dove into this this uh, episode, we've been you know going on this this uh, urban legend series where we're you know of course we're bringing on uh, excellent guests like we have our our, our friend uh, Mr. McNee here to to bring something to the table, but also every week Chris and I are uh, digging out our own urban legends to to tell uh, maybe something we. Uh, don't know about or maybe you're just like kind of figuring out and uh, last last year last week um, I was talking about how I just moved to Vegas and I was looking into Vegas urban legends and I talked about the murder mansion um, and I went and actually drove by it and all that kind of stuff now this week I looked into some more stuff about like just I was like well maybe I can find something more interesting about Vegas that has happened now what I did find uh, and, and started going into and want to tell, talk to you about is this the, the myth of like uh, you wake up in the bathtub with your kidney gone and call 911, your kidneys are gone. Note, right? Because mm-hmm. that urban legend started in Vegas. Oh, really? That, that was like where it, it originated from. 
Now, this is like one of those ultimate, like, you know, 90s uh, email chain things that was going around. Like, my aunt's sister's cousin had this happen, and you better fucking watch out. Right. Uh, All about this. Uh, So, basically, like, there's two, you know, things about it. One of them is, like... This is completely stupid not and not true, um, <laughs> which has its merit um, in that it's just like, you know, this is people just trying to, like, uh, propagate this dark thing over the the, the uh, organ transplant program. Uh, it, it just... Uh, I don't know. I guess it it holds them back in some way. Like I have this article from uh, that's on like uh, I don't know some of these doctors in Delaware are talking about it um, to not to not you know participate in these emails or or to take this uh, on or anything like that because it's harmful to actual uh, organ donation. I, I don't understand how. Um, but it happened like to where they actually had to like in, in Louisiana, like put official statements out that like, this is actually not true. Like it was so rampant and so believed at the time. Um, so it's like, you have to wonder where that comes from, but this article is like, it didn't, it didn't happen. Fuck you. Stop talking about it now where now this other, you know, article that I have, that's like, here's how it is true. So it's talks about where it started from. Um, Alan goes to Vegas for, or so-and-so goes to Vegas for a business trip, spends the evening in the bar, drinking with a group of other people, is staying at the hotel. Boom. He wakes up in the morning in the bathtub full of ice. Note says, call 911. We took your kidneys. Someone's ripped his liver out or whatever. And boom, that's it. Uh, it's been like, this has been popularized, you know, not, not only in, I mean, just all kinds of media, but like. Law and Order had an episode where they did something like this, which only yeah. like some people think Law and Order is like the news, you know, <laughs> right? Like, it honestly, it. like, it honestly, yeah, it. they're like, yeah. well, it was real. And it just, yeah, it, it keeps it going. So there was a Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Where it happened to him. The, uh, which which one was that? Which one? Remember. Uh, no, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't, he didn't go to Vegas. He went to Taiwan or something. OK, well, that's yeah, interesting because. They, they say like, okay, all of this stuff is like just basically like urban legend tales, right? So what it goes back to, what they say where it maybe comes from is, is in China. Uh, something called the Falun Gong, um, which uh, let's just say it has uh, – the country had 4,000 recorded organ donations in a year, far more than the amount of number of people who are uh, – documented to be volunteers right Hmm. uh the wait so the wait time you know for organ donation in china is much shorter than other countries so where are all these organs coming from is what this says um and they believe that what's happening is like you know there's some gang or whatever that works for the this falun gong uh that claims to be a religious group that are just grabbing people and harvesting their fucking uh organs for you know, for people in China to have like, you know, organs quickly. So uh, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing though, because like, like, how do you, how do you go into a hospital and be like, Hey, you want to buy this kidney, you know, or, or even if you're selling it direct to someone who needs one, it, like, it, 
it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like trusting a drug dealer like, dude, like it's, is this really well, a human kidney like dude it's really black gonna... market it's black market shit dude you have to be like in some high level shit to be buying an organ from somebody anyway so but you're you're, you're you greasing are, the doctor's palms you're doing like there's so much money that gets handed out in something like that right. it's uh you don't even realize it's not it isn't just like a I you don't just like walk in and throw oh, a cooler I know, the, I know the guy's not <laughs> hey like, lady put this I know kidney the, I know it's not being sold behind the fucking 7-Eleven, but still, it's like, you know, like like we were talking about earlier, it's like you can barely trust your drug dealer. You're really going to trust your organ dealer that you're getting uh, actual human kidney and not uh, something ripped out of a, a fucking pig or something. You, you can't. Um, but I, uh, it, it is and, interesting. And that I, might actually work. I, I right. Think I, I think well, I saw something somewhere. Yeah. Right, right. Let me give it a shot. But I know, yeah. I think I saw something. So, I mean, I might have just dreamed this, but uh, something where um, no, I'm pretty sure that uh, that's something where, where where pig organs are very close to human uh, and that they're that they've like been experimenting with, yeah. with trying that. Yeah. yeah. Schwarzenegger's got a pig heart. That's true. <laughs> well, he was born with it, though. I don't need to look it up, dude. I believe you. You know, um, one more thing about this before before I concede. But uh, the. Um, this this rumor, like like it was so rampant, like I said it in the early '90s, what uh, actually some repercussions of just this urban legend when it spread to other countries like Central America and uh, particularly in Guatemala, uh, where there were just these rumors of this started of uh, American tourists coming in and kidnapping uh, local children to take their organs. Um, so like that's just started getting like circulated and became like people believed it. So the, all these like American uh, tourists were getting jumped and beaten and all this kind of stuff. And this one woman, her, her child, eight year old girl went missing and she accused like this woman that was there visiting and they kidnapped her, stabbed her, beat her, put her into a coma, uh, fractured her skull and then, like, the kid, like, ends up showing up, like, hey, what's going on? You know, like, uh, type of thing. But, like, you know. Just, it, oh. <laughs> exactly. So whether oh, even that's, 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 oh, whether, that. I feel like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. So oh, whether, word. like, even that's true or not. Word. My it, bad. It, it, it's, it's interesting because this is something, like, of course, everybody's heard. And, uh, and there are people that will even say like, oh no, my aunt knows somebody like that will swear up and down. And it's, it's very funny because it really feels like it's true, but it originated from somewhere and it does have repercussions. And then maybe there's some underlying black market China shit going on with it for real. So I thought that was kind of cool, but. uh, And as far as you can tell, there's never like been a. An actual case reported of it happening? Not in the United States that's been actually reported. There's just like... But there's been some elsewhere or just no? The China China thing is like where they think that this is actually happening. Where they are like like they're kidnapping people and... No specific case. Yeah, yeah, but as far as like... Like they, yeah, no one can name a guy who's like this guy had his organ. Exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah, that there's no like real guy that comes back to like there's no Allen at the the plaza in Vegas story for real. It just kind of like 
Well, that would be you were that guy, you would have a book, you would have a movie. Dude. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's just that's an outdated reference. It's an urban legend. It's true to the urban legend. But that, yeah, that's where you get the doubt, uh, even with with China, even if they're saying they think this is where it's happening is, is like, as John said, if this happened to some guy, they'd be like, hey, look, here's my scar. This actually happened to me. My kidney's gone. Mm-hmm. And you can look on an MRI and see it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it probably hasn't actually happened. You see, yeah. hasn't. That's the thing about China. You can say could have anything could have happened over there. Nobody. Knows. That's true. They don't even have the Internet. Maybe. Maybe. Or if they don't even have anywhere. all of the internet. Yeah. So. yeah. I guess so. All right. Well, thank you, uh, John Wayne. Uh, very good urban legend. And I like that you touched on that because, yeah, everyone around the, uh, you know, around the world has at least heard some version of that. Okay. Uh, so it's time for my urban legend. So I'm going to get right into it. Uh, in 1903, some children went missing in the small town of Terrell, Texas. Um, so I'm doing a little. Ooh la la. Reverse, about, dude. I know. Reversey. Well, this is one that I actually mentioned to you that maybe mm-hmm. you could do. And you were like, nah. Uh, so I'm doing it because I think it's really cool. Hated it. I think <laughs> I did something else instead. I was like, I have something Yeah, else. No, you did. Yeah. I, I don't think you even, I don't think you even looked at it. Uh, so this will probably still come as a surprise to you. Uh, so in 1903, uh, no, you are, uh, in 1903, some children went missing in the small town of Terrell, Texas, uh, and Terrell may be a little bigger now, but it was very small, uh, at the time, uh, you know, maybe less than a thousand people. So it was kind of town where everybody knew everybody. So some children went missing. Uh, and again, this is just the legend part. Okay. Uh, Children uh, reported finding candy on their windowsills at night. Uh, Sometimes there would be notes around the candy wrappers telling the children uh, to keep the candy a secret. They were signed the candy lady. Since parents uh, limited the amount of candy their children could have, uh, the kids didn't tell anybody because they wanted to keep getting the candy. You know, they wanted the candy lady to keep coming. So then uh, two siblings from a local farm went missing. And people assumed they'd been abducted by a drifter or vagabond or whatever uh, because the community was small and therefore was thought to be safe by the, the citizens. Uh, over the years, nearly 10 children disappeared. And so finally, out of fear, the children began telling their parents about the candy that had been left on their sills by, you know, the, the candy lady. Uh, so then uh, a farmer found rotten teeth that appeared to belong to children. Uh, out in his field and they were wrapped in candy wrappers Uh, and then the local sheriff who was investigating the case went missing and was later found dead in a ditch with forks stabbed into his eyes and his pockets stuffed with candy right so uh yeah this is this is the legend of the candy lady uh from the early 1900s uh now the thing that I find interesting about this is it's one of those urban legends that's somewhat based in truth. Um, and I don't mean the truth of aliens fighting saber-toothed tigers. I mean actual documented truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's that derision again. <laughs> the cynic in you. That American derision. I know. 
we're we're angry people now. We'll accept the evidence that's right in front of you. Well, well, Chris, I. <laughs> I did. I did actually read about this when you sent it to me. I okay. So, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm up to date. But, but uh, I do have a, a comment on this. But I want you to finish what you're gonna. Yeah. Which okay. part is based in truth? Well, uh, here we go. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the true case of uh, Clara Crane. Uh, so let me pull this up here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, a young woman named Clara lived on a farm in rural Texas with her husband, Leonard, and their five-year-old daughter, Marcella, uh, also known as Marcy. Uh, born in uh, 1871, Clara married Leonard Gilbert Crane, an older man who owned a farm. The two were only married for a short time before Clara became pregnant and gave birth to Marcella, uh, a.k.a. Marcy. Uh, the little girl was adored by her mother uh, and quickly became the whole of her world. But then tragedy struck. Uh, in 1893, at only five years old, Marcella was killed in a farming accident. Her father, Leonard, had been tasked with watching over her at the time, and the reports later found that uh, he had been uh, drinking at the time of the accident. So understandably, Clara was uh, pretty pissed off at him uh, and was incredibly brutally devastated uh, at the death of her child. Uh, Carla blamed Leonard for the death, uh, and uh, she became very withdrawn, very despondent. Uh, investigators found that both Clara and Leonard were completely innocent of any foul play in the death of Marcy, but the grief became all-consuming uh, for the poor, bereft mother. Uh, two years after grieving, um, Clara became more and more convinced uh, that her husband Leonard was to blame. Uh, until one day in nineteen uh, or eighteen ninety-five she decided to uh, take revenge. Lacing some caramels with poison, Clara offered them to Leonard. The day after Leonard passed, a nearby neighbor stopped by to check in on the widow and found Clara in a quote-unquote shaken and frenzied state. And this is taken from old newspaper articles. Uh, she was, uh, Clara was building a large fire next to the home. Uh, Sheriff Fred Springer arrived and Clara became violently aggressive towards him uh, and was therefore taken into custody. Uh, facing a murder charge, uh, murder in the first degree, Clara stood trial. Uh, life in prison was the best she could hope for, though she pleaded that uh, she, or I'm sorry, that she, she pled that she was suffering from mania at the time. Uh, uh, so uh, with this, she could possibly find leniency in her sentencing and be sent to an asylum instead of a prison. Clara was tried and convicted for murder of first degree, but due to pleading insanity and grief, she was incarcerated in the North Texas Lunatic Asylum, which has now been more politically correct uh, uh, term for it. Uh, it's known as the Terrell State Hospital. Uh, a year into her sent, a year. I love that her, bar. That's that's an awesome place to play. Okay, great. Uh, a year into her sentence in 1896, doctors noted that Clara had torn bed sheets and tied them roughly into the shape of a doll. Uh, staff heard her speaking and singing to it, calling it Marcy. Uh, in 1899, due to overcrowding at the hospital, Clara was released. Uh, she was viewed as charming and soft-spoken by the asylum staff, qualities that made her an ideal candidate for early release back in those days. Since her crime had been deemed a crime of passion, she was ruled as unlikely to reoffend. Uh, and as there was little record keeping or follow uh, follow-up care at the time. There are no records of what happened to Claire after this. Uh, but below, um, and I and I have this here. Below is a portion of a letter that Claire supposedly wrote 
to her sister shortly before being released. And this is, I think, uh, is pretty creepy. Uh, she says, dearest Aggie, I am elated. I have been informed by Dr. Matthews that Marcy and I will be returning home in less than three weeks. As you can imagine, Marcy can barely contain her excitement. So she's talking as if the child is still alive. Um, uh, uh, every night she asks, is tomorrow the day we go home, mother? Uh, very soon I will be able to tell her yes. Uh, our stay here has been somewhat of a trial, though I have been grateful to the good doctor and his staff and their dedication to our treatment and recover. Leonard's death has put us in such a severe state of melancholy that I feared we would never escape it. Again, she killed him. Uh, these past few years, we have been more difficult. These past few years, years have been more difficult than any time in my life. And my dear Marcy, after all that she has had to endure, has become my strength, my flame of hope. But story isn't quite done because of the urban legend. Uh, so when all of that came about in 1903 and children, uh, apparently children really did start to go missing and it wasn't that far away from uh, the old Crane homestead. Uh, so it wasn't until the first child missing that people began to wonder what had happened uh, to Clara. Uh, so although uh, we don't really know if Clara was behind this, uh, it kind of falls right in place with the time that she was released from the asylum. Uh, and although we don't have actual records to say, okay, uh, that the sheriff was found with, with candy stuffed in his pockets or anything like that, we still have all of these records of these kids um, disappearing. Uh, so we don't know for sure what parts of the story are real and what are legend. Uh, there truly isn't much to find beyond what I've told you, uh, but the story makes for, you know, a, an interesting urban legend. Yeah, it's a great story. Love it. Isn't it? Yeah. I thought it was Just pretty neat. The, the candy lady alone, leaving little sweets on people on children's windowsills. It's pretty cool. Yeah, cool. right. Yeah, luring them out with the candy and like slowly earning their trust and, and, you know, like, oh, here's a little more. Don't tell your parents. It's pretty creepy. And to think that this, this woman, Crane, may have actually abducted some children uh, because there were abductions that is documented in the area same time she got out she did have this demented idea that her daughter was still alive or maybe she wanted to replace her daughter and ended up kidnapping and killing these kids who knows um but yeah it's pretty creepy um yeah dude i did read this and it is very uh it was cool and creepy but it, it reminded me of this uh something else that like actually you know, happened like uh, probably, you know, anybody like serial killer people know who Dean Coral is. Um, but that Dean Coral, like, you know, he was in basically the neighborhood that I lived in, that I moved from here to come to Vegas uh, in that area. And and then also in Pasadena, which is like South Tech, South Houston, where the ship channel and stuff is and, and the, the plants. But he was also he was known as the candy man because mm. his family owned a candy company called the Coral Candy Company. And after he was discharged from the army, the army, army, army came back and he was like working there and shit. And he and they moved the company to like across the street from Helms Elementary School. And he was he would be out there like giving candy to kids, particularly teenage boys, uh, and earned the name as like this. They called him the Candyman or the Pied Piper. And he would just yeah. like bring kids back, like dudes back to party because, you know, he was ended up like killing them and shit. And then his guy, this dude, David Brooks, who was basically like like a, a, a comp, not an accomplice, but like a confidant or whatever to him went to Waltrip High School which is like literally across 
the street from where I lived. Mm. Uh, so those are that that was cool. So like the Candy Lady, when I read this originally, when he sent it to me, it reminded me of Dean Coral, like in his right. whole thing. And I'm not going to go into it anymore. Like you could, there's a thousand hundred billion podcasts that talk right. about uh, Dean right. Coral, but it is like a local Texas Houston type of thing. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder, like, with uh, the candy lady and, like, if that's where the whole, like, don't take candy from strangers thing first started, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's the the story of the, the uh, candy lady, uh, Clara Crane. Um, Very cool. So, anyway, one of the one of the reasons I was uh, really enthusiastic about bringing Mr. John McNee on is because he is from Scotland, and I thought he could bring some worldly urban legends. Uh, a lot of stuff that we've covered so far has been American. Some of it has been a little bit more universal, I think. I think some legends transcend, um, you know, country boundaries. Um, but uh, I'm very excited to hear what you have, John. Yeah, well, you know, I coming from... Scotland, obviously, I know you won't be familiar with too many of our myths and legends, so I want to educate you gentlemen about uh, a little creature called the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It was aliens. It was a failed alien experiment. We know all of this. <laughs> look, look, the space rape segment is over, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, yeah. if I could have just found some more references in that book. But no. Um, so what I want to talk to you, to you about is uh, uh, my favorite. It's actually my. It's not just big Scottish urban legends. My favorite urban legend of, of the world, um, and it's the Garbles Vampire. And uh, one of the reasons I, I like it's, um, there's something. There's a couple of big reasons. I'll tell you the one. One of them at the end. But the first one to start with is that it's a uh, it's a Glasgow urban legend. Glasgow is the city where I live. Um, someone tweeted yesterday or the day before one of these you know, desperate cries for engagement said without um, uh, without naming it, uh, read, quote tweets this with something about what your city is is famous for. Just tell us what your city is famous for without naming it. And I, uh, what I said Glasgow is famous for is uh, kisses and smiles, which is true. Uh, mm. There's the Glasgow Kiss, which uh, colloquially here across the UK and elsewhere uh, is a term for a headbutt. And there's the Glasgow <laughs> Smile, which, which is when you the, take the a cut. straight razor and you yeah. cut someone across the face from ear to ear. Oh, yeah. That's the smile? <laughs> that's the smile. Yeah. yeah, I am familiar with this from like uh, action movies and stuff. And, and apparently, uh-huh. isn't there like an actual actor who has one? Oh, I yes. Think, yeah. Yeah, that, that's he was in a lot of action movies. Yeah, he was in Braveheart, I'm sure, and he's been in. Oh no, I think he was in Sons of Anarchy as well. Um, that yeah, I think that's where it, it is. Yeah, he actually yeah. has a real one. Yeah. Yes, from his um, dark uh, Glasgow youth. Um, mm-hmm. so, and this is a story about uh, the youth of Glasgow um, back in the day in an area called the Gorbals. Now, like I say, Glasgow has a reputation. Um, it's actually it's. These days, it's quite nice. I mean, I mm. like it a lot. Um, but there are, of course, different areas of Glasgow which have always been more notoriously horrible than others. And yeah. Gorbals for a long time. You know, it's not a pretty name, the Gorbals, but it, it's like sort of the most notorious of them all. Of all the yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, very, very densely, densely populated. It's sort of... Um, 
it was it got a, a massive influx uh, of people in the, at the time of the Industrial Revolution. All these immigrants from uh, Ireland and Highlands of Scotland and elsewhere coming in search of a better life and packed into this uh, little area of about 250 acres, uh, about 40,000 people all living together on top of each other. And the slums that they lived in, these tenement blocks, were built very quickly and cheaply. Yeah. Uh, and and in poor, and pretty poor conditions because they knew that the people who were moving into them, it was still better than what they were used to, mm. um, coming from you know, these little stone huts in Ireland and, and the Highlands. But that was in the 1850s, cut to 100 years later, um, and their descendants, and everyone who came after them, they're all still living there. You know, it's, 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 they haven't, they're still living in these same blocks. Um, so we're talking, like, uh, I have some, if we're here, like six, at, at the time that our story takes place in the early 1950s, you've got like six to eight people living to a room, often 30 to a toilet, which would oh, get fuck. And Jesus. 40 to a, a tap or faucet. Wow. Um, yeah. So pretty grim times, um, but the, the these you know all these people living in poverty, squalor, and in the hopes that things will be better in the afterlife. Kind of, that's the kind of living that was going on. Wow! Uh, and even today, the Gorbals kind of remains a byword for poverty. Although they've tried to they've I tried to clean it up like three times. Different redevelopments have gone on over the in the, in the decades since, and each time they screw it up worse than before um, really yeah, yeah. it's still pretty good but it's nothing like that but yeah yeah still not one of the nicest areas of glasgow um but the story that i'm going to talk about is of uh the gorbals vampire um and so in september of 1954 uh, a rumor began to spread among the local school children in the area um in fact before i talk about that <laughs> yeah, I just want to All go right. back because I, I, I missed this All point. Right. I typed this out earlier, uh, just describing a bit more about the, the the rough life that they lived in the Gorbals. Uh, this guy, A.L. Lloyd, wrote for Pist Picture Post magazine in 1940. <clears throat> so it's like a couple of years before the time that we're going to talk about. Mm. And he said, uh, this is a bit of, little bit of reportage. Uh, As is usual, where people find circumstance a hard thing to grapple with, the Gorbals is a great place for pipe dreams a place where folk think passionately of sudden fortune. Street bookies do a roaring trade around the ramshackle backcourts, and in many tenements, the dream book is the only literature. At midnight, if you stand on any of the four bridges that run across the Clyde into the Gorbals, you see the windows still lit, for when the gas goes down, the rats come out in strength. So the lights burn dimly all night, and they shine on the huddled sleepers, on the delicate faces of the girls, and on the ravaged faces of the women who once were girls, and on the men's faces that look like the broken slabs of every commandment in the Decalogue. Here oh, is our most loathsome slum, and a horror to be cleansed. Wow. Ah, so wow, I had to read quote. that out first. Yeah, that's a great quote. And, his, yeah. and there's a picture. So it was a this this picture post magazine. It was a sort of reportage with um, these quite colourful articles and pictures. And one of the pictures was of a woman nursing her child, and it said uh, it named the woman and said she'd had uh, seven children, five of them dead to pneumonia. Wow, was pretty Jesus. For the, wow. For the, and even Fuck. then, there were still like lots of lots and lots and lots of 
of kids, because it was mostly Irish families. So it just, if I had any criticism to make of uh, Clara, what is it, Clara Craven? Oh, uh, Clara Crane. Crane. Yeah. Sounds like I mean, she's sounds like there's a lot to blame for getting a bit too attached to uh, <laughs> Marcy. I mean, it was Marcy. the eighteen the 1890s. You're gonna. You're, Your kids are gonna odds die. Are, yeah. Kids are gonna die. She's just, lucky that she lived. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. right through the childbirth yeah. in those just times. Yeah. Get over it, move on, pop another few. Man, we are so gonna get canceled for this episode. <laughs> talking like like all about the babies and the space race and rate. everything else. <laughs> but among the kids who were still alive in uh, in the Gorbals in 1954, there were there were plenty, and rumor began to spread of a vampire prowling the area. It was said the Gorbals vampire was seven feet tall with glowing red eyes and teeth made of iron. And uh, that he'd made a lair for himself in the local graveyard. Uh, Glasgow is also quite well known for its uh, cemeteries. Um, mm. One of the most in fact, these impressive Victorian cemeteries, quite elaborate. Um, the most famous being the, the Glasgow Necropolis, which is on a hill overlooking Glasgow Cathedral. And it's a very gothic. I mean, it's all over the trailers for the new Batman movie, which was filmed here, because it just looks like Arkham. It and looks like, like, like Gotham. It looks like Gotham. Yeah, yeah, it looks, yeah it's yeah. like all this weird gothic architecture, all these huge tombs from all these dedicated to all these merchants who made their money in the slave trade. And all. This. And it's called Necropolis. I mean, like, Necropolis, it's such a cool yeah. name, too. Yeah. yeah. So the Glas that's the, the Glasgow Necropolis. There's also the Southern Necropolis, which is uh, in the, the Gorbals area, a sprawling cemetery in which 250,000 Glaswegians were interred, littered with huge, gloomy Victorian monuments, lopsided gravestones and gnarled and twisted trees. And it's uh, even more sort of gothic because it backs onto, or it used to back onto at the time, uh, the Dixon's Ironworks, um, which had forges that operated 24-7. And in the evening, uh, the light would turn the sky blood red. And this would wow. cast shadows from the graveyards and have uh, flame, throw up flames and belching smoke. And this scent <laughs> Holy shit. across the necropolis. Yeah. Wow, that's fucking, that's like hell. Like <laughs> it's, It sounds like hell. But <laughs> yeah. the tragic thing is in the garbage, cool. it, it was also where the children went to play. Because it was the biggest sort of area wow. of greenery and open space. There were no yeah. parks, you know, there were no, you know, forests or, or play parks or anything like that. The best that you could, the only place with trees was the necropolis, which also happened to be this hellscape with <laughs> sulfur and, and blood red skies right. and dancing silhouettes on the walls. So that's, that's really good. And this rumor wow. began to spread among the kids that, uh, uh, a vampire had made its lair in the in the necropolis, and a couple of kids had got too close. The vampire had kidnapped them and eaten them both. Uh. So this is the this is the rumor that's spreading, and of course they they, they told their parents and everything. It's a ridiculous way. So uh, there's like obviously certain levels of a certain level of hysteria that runs among the school children, but the question is how. These are school kids. So, what do you think happened when they when they heard about this? Um, uh, hysteria. <laughs> well, they just spread it like to like wildfire, right? I'm sure, like they went nuts. Well, they kind of decided 
we're not going to let this vampire, if there's a vampire there, we're not letting him come for us. We're mm. going to take him on. So, oh, they got nice. a gang together. They became the of, fucking goonies or something. Yeah, yeah, they got a gang together of like a few... Monster squad. A few hundred Glasgow school children got together. They got tooled up with knives and stakes and hammers and uh, and crucifixes and dogs. Okay, hold, and, one second, one second. So... Yeah. Is this part of the urban legend, or did these kids actually this is true. do this? Oh shit! This is okay. true. This is one hundred percent true. Okay. Um, so, uh, so after school, which is closed, which shuts about three p.m., uh, they uh, descended on the southern necropolis, one tooled up with all of their their weapons to hunt the beast down and destroy him. Oh shit! And, uh, <laughs> what, I, what I really admire about these kids is like, first of all, if there's a vampire, you don't go. Trying to trying to chase him down and and, <laughs> and that's that's crazy. But no, uh, also no. uh, in September in 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 Glasgow it gets dark really early. <laughs> so <laughs> so they went after school. So it was nightfall within like an hour or two. <laughs> and Shit. they're and and so the, the the sky again is turning blood red. And they're trying to find a vampire at night. And uh, this fog starts rolling in. So. <laughs> Okay, so well, like, how are they not shitting their pants and running away? I know, it's crazy. The fucking sky is red. They're in this gothic necropolis. They're they're searching for a vampire. Fog's rolling in. Dogs and cats sleeping together. Mass hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> I love these kids because they're just like yeah. they're not taking any shit. On fucking so monster squad, this, baby. We come to this. Uh, this is true. I'm reading this verbatim now. On the evening of 23rd September 1954, Glasgow police received a call summoning them to the Southern Necropolis. When PC Alex Deeprose arrived a few minutes later, he couldn't believe the sight that confronted him. Hundreds of children were swarming over the graveyard. Some clutched crosses and crucifixes. Others brandished axes, staves and knives. The oldest kids were around 14. The youngest were barely toddlers. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Blasts of flame were casting strange shadows and dark figures moved in and out of clouds of rolling fog, shouting to each other, you know, the vampire's there, get him. So this is, you know, like, this was a big story back in the day and it's, yeah. it's sort of continued and, and grown on. So there are people who were kids then who are still alive today and have been interviewed about it over the years and tam smith one of the gangsters present at the time said the red light and smoke would flare up and make all the gravestones leap you could see figures walking about at the back all lined up in the red light uh, and so the kids would rush through the mist from one silhouette to another and as and more police arrived but they could not dissuade the children <laughs> from their quest they're like fuck you i've got to kill this vampire or he's gonna come for us uh, only when it started to rain and a local headmaster told everyone to stop being ridiculous <laughs> did the children finally disperse. However, I'll bet, I'll bet that headmaster was the fucking vampire. I swear to God. <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds very suspicious. Very Crusty old Dean, dude, is always the vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, they did disperse, but however, the following night they returned. <laughs> Wow. and continued their quest because they wanted to get the vampire that bad and they wow. returned the night after that resolute in their determination 
to hunt the monster down. And it says here, by the third night, interest from the children was beginning to fade, but hysteria over the Gorbals vampire soon spread far and wide as the press picked up the story. Um, so now, like, adults are asking, what is the deal with this, yeah. this vampire that's going around killing children and what's going to be done about it? And so uh, the Sunday Mail, which reported the story, ran with a headline. <laughs> it's a great headline. Uh, vampire with iron teeth is dead because they wanted <laughs> they wanted to convince like, the kids they wanted to, the kids to 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 go home basically <laughs> they were they just kept going back they were spending every night in the graveyard oh my god to... so they did like a santa claus thing where they pretended he was yeah. real yeah. oh wow wow Wow. It's like a yes, yes, Tam. There is a Gorbals vampire, but he's dead. But he's dead. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, Virginia. Uh, yes, so... Virginia, the vampire's <laughs> dead. Did they create like a Dr. Loomis character to like that killed the guy or like what? <laughs> no, Shot no, him no, six no. times in the back <laughs> and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, they, they, um, they said that in the headline, but in the in the in the article, I guess they assumed that no children would actually read the body of the article because it was actually mm-hmm. about what was going on, and it uh, and it explained to people these kids were were chasing after this mythical creature, and it blamed and it, you know, perhaps it was aiming to put an end to the matter, but it was simultaneously blaming lurid comics and horror movies of for course. inspiring the incident in the first place. The story was even covered in worldwide news. Uh, appalled teachers. Parents and Christians sought answers as to why their innocent children had so been so and become so embroiled in the macabre myth. Most obvious culprit arose in the form of American horror comics, mm-hmm. tales from the crypt, and vault of horror. So vault of horror. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's we... obvious who's to blame. Of course. In particular, damn Americans. In particular, <laughs> the 1953 issue of Dark Mysteries, featuring a story titled "The Vampire with the Iron Teeth." Oh uh, shit! Identified. As the metaphorical smoking gun, mm. uh, horrified adults blamed these stories for their malicious influence on young minds. A strange coalition formed a campaign against the comics, composed of teachers, Christians, and keen to limit the influence of American culture, communists. So oh, you know wow. it's it's bad times for your industry if you're as a comics creator when the Christians and the communists are ganging up against you. Yeah. Um, and there was a, a debate took place in the House of Commons, the Mother of Parliament, in which the Gorbals Labour MP Alice Cullen played a prominent role. I believe she was quoted to ask, "Won't somebody please think of oh, the children?" The children. Oh goddamn! Uh, the Fantastic. result of this, the upshot of this, was uh, the Children and Young Persons Harmful Publications Act of 1955, which banned the sale of repulsive or horrible reading matter to children. Uh, the act is still in law today. Wow. So this is uh, fairly, fairly typical, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. For the horror creators, because it's obviously, we're the ones responsible for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mind. yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's crazy, dude. Like, so did any actual children disappear or like become a turn up dead or anything during all of this? Or was it just a complete, uh, legend hysteria well, amongst that's the what children. People were, were asking. They wanted to know was the Gorbals what, and people have been asking for decades since. Yeah, and it's still not entirely clear. Uh, uh, people ask themselves again: Was the Gorbals vampire simply a creature born of mass hysteria and children's imaginations, or was it something more? And the thing yeah. about the comics, 
there was, although they were blamed, uh, and because they were getting popular in the UK at the time, and there was that one about the vampire with the iron teeth, which looks pretty mm-hmm. damning, there was no evidence that any of the children involved in the actual hunt had ever owned or read right. American comics. I mean, these are deeply poor deprived children yeah getting their hands on an american comic book would be like yeah. the holy grail right just right yeah be done. yeah an important um, comic book it, yeah. it just seems ridiculous that they would have it yeah yeah uh, and we're, from interviews the... <clears throat> oh, god yeah from interviews most of the kids admitted not even knowing what a vampire was or how to defeat it um so a vampire shit. hunter called bob hamilton said Nobody knew we needed stakes. We didn't have Christopher Lee to explain you had to put a stake through the heart to kill him. We were just going to cut the head off. End of story. <laughs> I don't know what we'd have done if we'd met one. <laughs> <laughs> or if they came across a, a like weird-looking dude in the cemetery at night. Which like, is entirely they possible. They attacked him and like, just yeah. fucking killed him like fucking... You know, like Gulliver's you, Travels tied him to, up. And like, you if know, you like, go to the necropolis in Glasgow after dark, you are bound to bump into some weird dudes and yeah. some weird, weird ladies as well. And they're nice. usually sort of just goths looking for places to drink right. cider. Right. Wow. What what an amazing picture that paints in the mind, though, of just like <laughs> the red sky and the fog and like like hundreds of like yeah. children searching for mm. a vampire. That is a badass urban legend. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the, so the iron say, fangs were never found, though. Like that's not like. <laughs> and then the iron fangs hang today it's an in the castle. It's an interesting point. Um, no, because um, like I say, there was no evidence that any of the kids had ever read an American comic book. Yeah. But there have long been myths of iron-toothed monsters haunting Glasgow oh, for wow. many, many years. Um, according to Tom Smith, who I referenced earlier, parents sometimes warned their badly behaved children that the Iron Man, local ogre, would come get them. Another sure. Glasgow ghoul was Jenny with the iron teeth, um, a hideous witch said to have prowled around Glasgow Green in the early 1800s. Jenny was infamous for devouring children who refused to sleep, and a rhyme about her was told to kids who wouldn't go to bed. Um, and it's uh, so well, that'll help you sleep. Being terrified yeah. always helps like, me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it goes, and I'll just I'll just read the first few lines because it's in Scots, which is difficult for non-Scots to like discern what it's saying. But it says, uh, "Jenny with the iron teeth, come and tack the bairn. Tack him to your den where the boogie bides. But first, put baith your big teeth in his wee plump sides." And this is what they would. They would say, if this kid's like crying and crying, they say this. It's like an invocation. Come, Jenny, come, come, come. Yeah. And then That was as... really fucking scary when you when you said all of that, by the way. Like the accent <laughs> and everything. Like I felt like I was like at sea and like 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 or well, imagine yeah. imagine you're being held in your mother's arms and you're like <laughs> wow. pissed off because she wants you to go to bed and you don't want to go to bed, you want to stay up. Yeah. And you're looking at your mother, and she says exactly that. Fuck. But first, put both your teeth in his wee plump side, and you're like, "Mom, it's a wee plump side." I love that. Break. You see, this is um, this is where, like, when you say kids are coddled today, this is evidence of it. Because, like, <laughs> back then, they terrified you into going <laughs> to bed. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's, a, it's it's quite a good rhyme actually. It's worth looking up because as it goes on, it sort of switches, and it sort of says. Uh, it presumes that the child is starting to quiet down and it goes, oh, no, not my kids. Jenny, actually, hold up. Um, my kid's being all right now. 
but I can hear you coming. I can hear you coming down the hall. Go next door. There's a wee shite who lives next door. Go, go get him instead. And oh, that's Jesus. That's what, what the nursery rhymes says. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Um, so dude, that that's was, fucking metal, dude. I wish so we you had shit like these that. Kids, well, the, so you've got all these kids with these kind of, these are the nursery rhymes that are told to them. And then they're going to play in the necropolis with its red skies. <laughs> yeah. Fog. Course they're going to come up with yeah no things. wonder yeah and, they, and yet they have the audacity to blame comic yeah. books when they're telling these out. kids these legends yeah. yeah there's also it was pointed out an iron tooth monster in the old testament book of daniel in which the prophet dreams of four beasts behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly as it has great iron teeth and all these kids were going to church and what's gonna mess with your mind more than listening to Church stories, Bible right? Stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they're being told that all of this stuff is real, and mm. the Bible is full of monsters and black magic and mm-hmm. and murder and death yeah. and all sorts of things. Yeah, got a screw wow. imagination. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Um, most of the so right. The question then, uh, you asked uh, about were there any kids missing? Reports from the time say there had been no child killings. Or abductions in Glasgow at that time, wow. which I consider very suspicious because mm. I'm sure there were. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given kids, its, it's reputation. Like the 1950s yeah. and the Gorbals. Like, kids, who, who's going to keep track of all those kids? You know, it's right. like, right. True. You, you just have these massive families. If one goes out, doesn't come back. Who's really going to notice? Um, <laughs> well, especially well, if they're like, if they're like the one that doesn't like the least liked one. They're like, you know, yeah. fuck them. One less mouth to feed, right? <laughs> right. Tommy Two didn't come back. Ah, fuck him. Tommy, <laughs> Tommy, Tommy Two. two. <laughs> Tommy yeah. Two. This, <laughs> they can't even give him another name. Wow. So yeah. the question—that's how poor we were. We had to share yeah. a name. <laughs> <laughs> so the question wow. remains: Could the potent mix of nursery rhymes, the lurid iteration of priests, and days spent playing in the haunted atmosphere of the necropolis, the closest thing to a park in the local area, have inspired the creation of a mythical monster? Or was he, as I believe, horrifying result of an experiment to create a human-alien hybrid one disaster? <laughs> yes! He brings it full circle. I think you John know the McNee. answer. This is why I love having you on. You really bring it, man. You really bring it. But I said at the start, there's two reasons I like this story. Mm -hmm. First one is that it's a story about Glasgow. Mm -hmm. Second reason that you touched on is about how coddled kids are these days. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, you remember, um, there was this spate of um, people dressing up as clowns. Yes. Camera, right. Prowling around town. Just, just standing there looking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, with, there was. I don't know where it started. Somewhere in America. Yeah. And then it kind of like snowballed. Yeah. When elsewhere. Yeah. It started happening in uh, across Europe and the UK as well. England. Yeah. It was like four or five years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually uh, uh, I wrote a, a script for a short film inspired by uh, the craze. Uh, it's called The Beclowning. You can look it up on YouTube. <laughs> nice. So, um, good title yeah so, yeah uh, it's a real word the cloning it means uh, to transform into a clone and I thought, no, no shit yeah so they um, would say like i've got to go big clown excuse like, me well, i've got to go big clown have, myself before the I show i have 
I have beclowned myself with the mistake I made. When I came to give that speech at COP26 and I said that we were here in the Emerald Isle and I want to quote from the bard William Shakespeare, in doing that, I beclowned myself. Previously, I was a respected world figure, uh, an ex-champion of the free world, and now I am a laughingstock. I am a clown. No one can take me seriously. Hey, man, you know, I say, and I say thank you, Obama. <laughs> because he was probably high on that legal weed and just was like, <laughs> fuck it. I got to do another one of these. Fuck it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, uh, all that didn't escape the clown craze, or whatever you want to call it, and the mm-hmm. hysteria around did not, um, it, it hasn't, it reached uh, Scotland eventually, not, not much later um, after it started. Uh, and at Halloween that year, schools in Glasgow and the Grand Greater Glasgow area banned children from dressing as clowns for their parties because mm. it was likely to be too distressing for the other children who were sort of wound up about the wow. hysteria. Bunch that of goddamn pussies. Pisses me off immensely. <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. It used to be, Glasgow kids used to be tough. They used to be able to handle someone trying to escape. In fact, if they used to went, rampage graveyards at night. Yeah, if <laughs> saying, they heard, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah, they, they were heard tough. That a vampire was in the area. They didn't collapse into panic. They didn't run for their parents or their medication or their soothing sounds <laughs> or whatever. They got tooled up, yeah. and they went to the graveyard after dark. And refused to leave until they'd sorted the fucker out. You know, right. They just like like let's for get days. Him for several gets days. Yeah. And some of these kids were toddlers as well, like three, four years old. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, just give me a knife and I'll yeah. do it myself. They're oh, they're, they're cut fucking, the fucker's head off. Yeah, they're there and with a the, knife, they're smoking a cigar, you know, <laughs> they're just in their diaper, no fucking shirt. They're badasses. Yeah. Yeah. There was that's, no Nintendo then though, too. So that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But in many ways, it was better. I think yeah, that's the kind of I think so, too. They made their the own spirit we need to rediscover in this day and age. Not I just, think so, too. Not just for the children, but within ourselves. Well so, said, sir. Well said. Philosophical. Yeah. No, I but agree. Yeah, that's, that's why it's my favorite urban legend. It's fucking great. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. a really good one. Thank you for Very that. Very cool. Thank you. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up uh, our third episode of Urban Legends. I want to mm-hmm. sincerely thank John McNee. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. You're always so fun. Um, Same time next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely want to have you back again soon. Uh, so, uh, and of course, thanks, John Wayne. And thank mm-hmm. you to. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you, everybody. I'm proud of us yeah. all in this one. You know, I'm really proud of us all. Bye-bye, all right. Guys. Take care. See you in hell.